Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Dance Mindset with myself, Isabella. I am so thrilled to have the amazing Rachel Fine here today, who is incredible. And for me, this is like a whole complete package because I obviously focus so much on the mindset side of things and the training side of things, but I'm also just, I'm so passionate about the nutrition side of things. And I couldn't think of anyone better than Rachel to discuss this with because so many of you out there, so many dancers and listeners constantly ask me about dealing with nutrition, dealing with food issues and things like that. And so I thought this would be an incredible conversation to have. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me, Isabella. It's such an honor to be on your show. And I'm hoping that I can share as much insight as I can. Oh, I'm sure you can. Um, I'd love to start with a little bit of your background, actually, to hear about how you landed on the nutrition side of things anyway, you know, because obviously you're a dancer yourself. How was your experience, if we could, you know, sum it up in, um, you know, in your own words, how is your experience with dancing and the ballet world in general? And how is it that you landed on becoming a nutritionist and becoming so passionate about nutrition for dancers? Sure. I will do my best to do this as smoothly as possible. So I have been dancing all of my life. I was very fortunate to have a wonderful teacher who, by the way, is a big fan of yours. So I just have to give Willa a shout out because she is, <laughs> tells me all the time. She's such a big fan of yours. I'm so excited when I was connecting with you. Uh, but she really provided such a wonderful framework for me in regards to my training. And I was able to really move through my pre-professional training in ballet. I danced, I did a bunch of summer intensives with ABT in New York, and I danced with Ballet Academy East. Um, but alongside my training, I started to get very interested in this idea that food can help my performance. It was at a specific summer intensive that I attended where we sat in on a workshop and the exact phrase was used was, you know, food, your body is your instrument and what you put into it is going to have a direct impact on what you put out on stage and in your performance. Mm. And it's so true. And I think this is a great quote. It's one that I even use myself these days, but there's just, there was one issue with it. You know, at the time I was, maybe I was 17 at the time or six, 16 probably. Um, and I have a history of being a perfectionist, classic fun head type A mindset. It was very, very driven uh, as you yeah. and I have spoken about before really focusing only on my time in the studio. There really wasn't much balance that I knew of at the time, rather than just the work that you're doing in the studio is all that matters. That was my mindset. So when I heard this phrase that I could potentially have this tool being food in my control to somewhat control the outcomes of my performance, this is how it translated in my head, right? Of course, I've learned years later that that's not the case. But what I translated this into was I have to perfect what I'm eating because that's going to perfect my dancing. And this mm. ultimately spiraled into what I now know to be and what I educate dancers on, disordered eating. I was introduced to something called quote unquote clean eating. It's a very common lifestyle that a lot of dancers will fall into. And for some dancers, it can totally be harmless. It focuses on a lot of whole, lesser processed foods, more nourishing options, you know, to provide our body with a ton of vitamins and minerals and all this great stuff in regard to nutrition. But for the perfectionist in me, I utilize this as a tool to seek control uh, in a very unhealthy and unsupportive way. I was really obsessed with this idea of quote unquote eating or eating quote unquote healthfully. Uh, and it eventually, you know, led me to burnout. I was burnt out in my relationship with food. It drove me it did the exact opposite that I really intended it for it to do, which was it drove me further and further away from my passion and my joy with dance and with ballet. So uh, luckily I 
you know, with all of this interest in food and, you know, learning what was quote unquote healthy for me, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to understand there was so so much confusion around these messages of what is healthy and what is not healthy. That's Mm. when I was pretty good at having perspective. I saw it, it was really only a few months of really struggling in my relationship with food where I I knew something was wrong. You know, I had all of this joy and passion for ballet and it literally in the blink of an eye it felt like it left and I dreaded going into the studio and I was able to see this and see this perspective and say to myself something's got to change. Like I have to take myself out of the situation <laughs> reevaluate and then we'll take it from there. And that's essentially what I did. Um, it was at that point that I shifted gears, took myself out of the uh, full force training in dance and in ballet. And that's when I started on my path towards becoming a registered dietitian nutritionist. I learned more about what the path looked like. It's a pretty intensive training. It's about seven years all in. Uh, but luckily, being from New York, I was very privileged to never having to leave the dance world fully, I still was able to dance at an amount that I was able to still feel fulfilled. I even picked up some performances and uh, some freelance work throughout that time. But my passion for nutrition and for detangling all of the confusion around the topic just grew and grew and grew as I was going further and deeper into my studies. And that's really how it unraveled. It unraveled from my personal struggle with nutrition and my confusion over quote unquote healthy eating and my burnout from both food and dancing that I was introduced to this field of nutrition and dietetics. And during that time, and as I was working on my degree during those seven years, I knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to somehow bring this to the dance world because it was so uh, nuanced. You know, it's not something that is commonly spoken about amongst dancers. I know just from my own training, I rarely had workshops that didn't leave me more confused or, of course, even trigger the exact disordered eating that I struggled with. So I always knew that I wanted to bring my work in the nutrition field back into my dancing. And that's ultimately when I started my business to the point nutrition is fun fact, I started my business the day after I took my licensing exam as a dietitian, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And it's just been a love story ever since. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for that story. Um, no, I resonated so with so much of that. So basically, your perfectionism with food and everything around circling around that was exactly what I went through. Basically to give you a little bit about my story with that. Um, when I went to Veganova, my muscles were criticized of being very soft and Mm. like I wasn't strong enough. So I got into the whole, um, athletic, athletic diet thing because I thought, well, I've got to feed myself like an athlete. Um, you know, food, food is fuel. I've got to eat protein at the right time, carbs, all this kind of stuff. And like you, it turned to this huge obsession. Like I was absolutely obsessed. And then that spiraled, that spiraled into some really seriously unhealthy habits, um, that I was, you know, and, and and going off track and changing the diet at all would, would cause me to go into some kind of spiral, (laughs) you know, like, like it would be the end of the world. Um, and so hearing hearing your story and just resonating with it just um, makes me think even more what you're doing is invaluable to young dancers because there's not there's not that much out there for them really there's a lot of opinions there's loads <laughs> but i think there's not actually someone who's helping them achieve that in a sustainable way like there's not much of that at all and that's why i think you're so great and you're so good at this. Um, and I think it's just really interesting that I, I always feel like we end up where we're supposed to. And, you know, back then you you took the plunge and you di- dove into your studies. And here you are now, you know, you've done amazing things. And so let's now talk a bit more about sort of recognizing issues with food, because 
like I said at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of students get in touch with are circling around this topic. And obviously, you know, I'm quite careful with what I say because this is, you know, again, any advice and anything to do with food is, is, it's dangerous. That's why I really, I don't know what you think about this, but going off tangent for a second, like people on social media or people on YouTube sharing their, what I eat in a day and things like that. I honestly want to put my head into a pillow because I'm like, I'm like some 13 year old girl is going to see that and think, oh wow, that girl doesn't have rice. Like I can't Mm -hmm. possibly eat rice, all this kind of stuff. And it, what do you think about all that? And what do you think students, if I ask you about this already, what do you think students should take from that when they stumble along those videos and a lot of them, let's say it's someone they admire and they're watching those videos what do you think they should think about when that person who they admire, they admire them for their dancing says that this is what they eat? Such a good question. And as you're talking to me, so many thoughts come to my mind that I think we could have <laughs> yeah. this discussion for literally hours. Uh, so let me try and backtrack a little bit. Um, yeah. One thing I want to mention that we have spoken about in the past in regards to you know, losing or burnout being this experience that we can fall into when we become so hyper-focused on, let's just say as an example, on food. One thing that I had to learn in my work, in my training as a dietitian, and even in my healing with my relationship with food is that all of those other experiences that you and I talk about when we were talking about bringing balance into the studio, so many of those experiences need to center around food, right? Because food is such a large part of our culture. It's a large part of social settings. Um, And when we are uh, trying to abide by very strict and specific athletic type of diets, just as you mentioned, because those are what unfortunately are most prevalent among the information when it comes to quote unquote nutrition for dancers, it means that a lot of dancers are missing out on these otherwise really fun experiences that and cultural experiences that can be brought back into their dancing and back into the studio. So that was just a little side thing I wanted to mention. Uh, Mm. The conversations of food get so tricky because, and I'll have a lot of dance educators, you know, reach out to me in regards to Rachel, how should I be approaching food with my dancers? And because we don't want to ignore it. We don't want to ignore, it's the same thing. And I'm sure we'll get to these conversations, but it's the same thing with even just um, the unfortunate body ideals that a lot of dancers uh, struggle with in the industry. When we ignore these very big topics, it doesn't necessarily help our dancers either. So it's very important, of course, that educators know who to refer dancers to when they feel like more information is needed and deeper support is needed. But I also want educators to not fear having these discussions in the studio, not necessarily in regards to giving specific food advice, but Mm. in regard to having conversations about food from a neutral standpoint, right? And we can talk about the use of, we could talk about the use of food neutrality as a tool that I work with, with a lot of dancers and dance educators in regards to how we talk about food and how we talk about bodies from more of a neutral standpoint, just to help Mm. um, reduce the stigma in the studio as is. And that's just another side note. Another side note that I wanted to mention is that as educators, we don't, it gets to be very tricky. Educators don't really, you know, they don't really know how to necessarily approach these topics, but we don't want to necessarily ignore them either. And then the other thing I wanted to mention, especially Mm. with those what I eat in the day videos, I completely agree with you when I see prominent dancers posting these types of um, reflections, it definitely worries me, no matter how much a dancer thinks they are inspiring or helping, there could always be that one dancer who takes it another way, or um, who isn't necessarily able the youngest dancers who aren't necessarily able to see that this what I eat in a day might not necessarily be the entire picture of a dancer's day, right? But social media often makes us 
feel like what we see is what exactly what everything is. And then of course, there's a simple fact that all of our bodies are so different. So what a, one dancer is eating isn't necessarily gonna be what's appropriate for another dancer, but it gets so difficult because younger dancers will say, okay, well, look at the level she's dancing at. For me to dance at that level, I need to eat like this. And it's actually very far from the truth. The bottom line is, if a dancer, if especially if a younger dancer who has very high nutritional needs, because not only do they have their nutritional needs to support physical dancing, but they've got metabolic growth needs that uh, surpass those of an adult. So it really gets to be very dangerous. And for dancers, I often say, you know, if possible, try and scroll past these types of videos if you feel like you are in a place where you will be triggered. If you don't feel that way, if you feel maybe you want a little bit of like meal or recipe inspiration, that's really the only thing I would suggest potentially taking away from these videos would be if there's a delicious recipe or idea in there. Because, you know, a lot of dancers are very much into food, which I love, and I think that's awesome. Uh, so sharing recipes and delicious inspirational snacks or whatever it might be, I think that's great. Uh, that would be the extent that I would suggest dancers take away from those types of content, not necessarily the amounts that the dancers are eating or the really uh, how the dancers are eating, but kind of just look, look at the food in of itself for any type of inspiration you might want. Yeah, no, I can, I, I honestly completely agree with that. And um, I really hope everyone listens to that advice. Definitely, if you feel triggered, um, scroll past and don't even look at it, like remove the temptation because it's funny you, you mentioned, you know, everyone's bodies are different and that's absolutely the case. The trouble is people will look at a certain dancer's body and even though they're completely different, they will go, but I want that body. I want right. to look like that. Even if, you know, they're completely different, different heights, different bone structure, <laughs> like all this stuff, different muscles, you know, um, it's very hard to not um, see someone as gospel, you know, um, and realize that we're all individual and we all have different needs. But I think that's, um, a huge key thing that we need to work on and take away. I'm sure we'll talk about this even more as we go deeper into it. Um, yeah. So one thing I wanted to discuss, ah, it reminded me as well, what you said, um, about how teachers and educators shouldn't, shouldn't shy away from, talking about food and just being not so let's say um specific with the information but I definitely think I try to do that with my students for example you know I'll make sure they're hydrated and one thing that I really worked on was you know the isotonic drinks making sure I'm hydrated but then I would notice that for example if a student's been with me for like three hours I'd say are you gonna have a are you gonna have a snack now or it's been three hours. <laughs> like you had, you definitely had breakfast five hours ago. I think yeah. it's time for a snack. And they're like, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not hungry. I'm like, sit down, have those, have, have the raisins and nuts for five minutes. We'll continue in 10 <laughs> because, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's obviously, again, this culture of must continue, must work, 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 you know, must not take any breaks, but you feel so great and you feel so energized when you do take a rest to have those snacks and you do refuel the tank literally and so that's something that I definitely try to um work on as a as a mentor and a coach with my students but um so how let's talk a bit more about the students themselves because a lot of students will as I said before listen to this and when students have say an, an eating problem or eating issues or they're very triggered by food but they don't necessarily realize it. What are, you know, they're just sort of dancing and they're obsessed with food. What are the steps to realize um, and sort of realizing they have a problem and starting to heal from that and that process? Like to, I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking to a certain extent, does does damage have to be done for them to realize something? Or is there a way we can realize this sooner then there's a real problem here. Yeah, fabulous, fabulous questions. Let's, I'm going to try and remember. I want to cover all of this because it's so important. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we should. 
we're going to need to go one at a time. (laughs) (laughs) So first things first, I want to shed light on the fact that disordered eating in of itself is so can be so challenging to identify. And the reason for that is because many patterns or habits or eating behaviors that we see with disorder eating really resemble behaviors that are encouraged and, you know, pushed upon us, not just in the dance industry, but really in the culture at large. And this is what what happened to me, you know, with this lifestyle called clean eating, uh, everywhere mm-hmm. I turned, everywhere I looked, clean eating is sold to us as being this incredibly healthy lifestyle, I'm going to say in quotes, lifestyle uh, that we should be aiming for with all of these nourishing and colorful produce and whole foods, etc. right? But I, but what I argue with and dancers who know me know this is that clean eating in of itself, especially for that dancer who has a tendency towards perfectionism is a direct parallel of disordered eating, or it's a gateway to disordered eating. So I think it's really important first for dancers to all dancers, whether they think they have a great relationship with food, or if they feel that they might be struggling, all dancers should have a self-evaluation in regards to, okay, how is my relationship with food? And asking themselves, you know, specific questions specifically around, am I feeling limited in other areas of my life because of my eating behaviors? Am I unable to go and eat with friends to partake in celebrations where I don't necessarily know what's going to be served? where I don't necessarily have control over the ingredients in my food. So these are just um, really highlighting Mm. some boxes for dancers to check in their minds that are very common among dancers to struggle with. Biggest ones, am I feeling any degree of guilt, shame, or anxiety around eating? And if a dancer has essentially answered yes to any of these questions, even just one, then there could be a certain degree of disordered eating. And it's important to also realize that disordered eating is not an official diagnosis. It's a, uh, it's a spectrum, right? The most severe is where we see diagnosable eating disorders, but diagnoses in of themselves can be very challenging for dancers to obtain, especially if they don't necessarily have the access to appropriate medical care to get those diagnoses. So it's, it's incredibly important, as I mentioned earlier, that dancers, even if they feel like they are doing everything like I did, quote unquote, right and perfectly in regards to how they were feeling their bodies, it's really important that they start to educate themselves on what disordered eating is and what it can look like and how it can present. And just, you know, just to kind of summarize what I was, I gave a couple key things that dancers can consider, but, you know, in general, it's, you know, are you experiencing an above average or obsessive concern over what you're eating? I think that's just a really good way of thinking about, you know, what a uh, challenged relationship with food can be. But then of course, there are more obvious signs, like are you blatantly ignoring hunger cues? Are you not experiencing any hunger cues? Because many dancers don't, as you mentioned earlier, many dancers are extremely busy and they're extremely active. You know, hunger cues go diminish, they go unnoticed very naturally for dancers. So Mm. that in of itself is another sign that we need to consider working with a licensed professional, such as a registered dietitian, to find a way to better support my fueling habits as a dancer. I think that answered everything, but I'm not sure. (laughs) No, 100%. It's it's really actually scary because uh, everything you're saying, I think back to when I was younger and when I was struggling with food um, without really knowing I was because I was, again, like you, like yourself, obsessed with the clean eating side of things. So much so that if I ever went to a restaurant or anything, that was like so stressful for me. And 
it would be like, oh gosh, does that have oil in it? Does that have salt in it? Does that have butter in it? Does that have anything that could be detrimental to my weight and all this kind of thing? But now, um, and it's funny, we'll probably get around to this, but I, I realized, and I spoke, and I realized this through experiences with a lot of dancers and even my students now, like when we're so stressed about food and when we're holding on to so much thought placed on it and we we lose sight of actually um, the importance of the ballet and the importance of the work we're doing because it's all about the food. And a lot of my dancers hold on to so much stress with that and actually the stress side of things makes you hold on to weight that essentially um you know maybe people are trying to lean down for whatever reason but um you know stress contributes to a host of issues but it's like if you relieve that stress and let go of it and obviously we'll get to you talking about the intuitive eating side of things because obviously then you're just listening to your body rather than telling it what it should be doing um and i always say to people we need to concentrate a lot more on the work itself. So it's like you have your breakfast and then go and just focus on the ballet because then almost, you know, your body sorts itself out. If there's any, if there's any issues that you have with your body, it's like, if you just focus on the work, that sort of lets go of that stress over what it should be looking like. Cause you're just working on doing your best developé that day or your best pirouette. Like we don't need to focus so much on how we look because in essence, the work itself in the studio sorts that out. And the more energy, you, I often think the more energy you have and the more you're fueling yourself well and sustainably, which obviously you're so passionate about, um, then the more work you'll be able to, and the more energy you'll be able to give to your passion, that is ballet. But with all this issue around food, it, it's removing the passion for your ballet it's removing your love for ballet and it's causing you so much stress and pain. And so that's what I think people need to have. They need to somehow find a shift in their brain, you know, and a shift in how they think about food. And how does one, if I was to ask you, how does one change that thought process with food? How does one flip, flip that switch so it's no longer hosting holding so much importance over our existence great question so the first thing i want to discuss is the very fact is why does this happen when we are not fueling our bodies sufficiently and all of these obsessive thoughts that come in regard to food is literally a very natural and biological response that your body is essentially screaming at you that it needs energy replenishment. <laughs> so I like to stress that to dancers because dancers in the studio are very attuned to feeling their body in space and with movement. And I want them to understand that that same body attunement can be harnessed when it comes to fueling our bodies and making sure that it has the tools that it needs to really flourish in your dancing. So if a dancer is experiencing those signs that I mentioned earlier, or the sign that you bring up, which is just those obsessions around food, I want them to realize that that is a response in of itself, you know, that's happening, not for any random reason, but it's literally your body responding to uh, either a current restriction or it could even be an anticipated food restriction. So that's first and mm. foremost. Um, what was your original question? I forgot. Um, <laughs> Just how does how does a student change that oh, thought yeah. process okay. with food? Yeah. Luckily, so, I remembered. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> So, no, it's all good. So, yeah, so this really brings us to this shift in how we can begin to make those shifts from this mindset of deprivation 
to a mindset that is fueled and a mindset that is, of course, not deprived of the food and the calories that it needs. And I do want to stress that these mindset shifts and dancers need to make space for the fact that this work, if you are currently struggling with this restrictive mindset, is it's work. It's a journey, right? It's not something that switches overnight. Um, it takes... No. It takes a very proactive effort. I'm going to use that word a lot today. Um, it takes a very proactive effort to first identify those thoughts. So that's usually the first step that I work on with dancers is all of the education that comes into what I call the first stage of my program, The Healthy Dancer, dismantling dancer diet culture. And it's learning about the challenges that we can face in our relationship with with our food choices and our body and identifying unsupportive thoughts. And once we identify a thought that is likely not supporting us, so just an example would be, I shouldn't have carbohydrates, right? Or I, I can't eat pasta because carbohydrates are quote unquote bad. That's me identifying a thought that has been set forth by dancer diet culture. From there, we label it as unsupportive. So now I'm saying, okay, this, this is a thought that I'm having, right? Let's make space for that. We can even discuss the reasons for why I'm having these thoughts, because maybe I read it somewhere. I was watching a dancer's what I eat in a day video, and they didn't, you know, that dancer just didn't have many carbs on her plate or whatever it might be. I developed this thought about carbohydrates, which essentially is a fear about carbohydrates. Um, and I'm labeling it as unsupportive. And the way that we can do that is really by bringing in education. And this is mm. where... 99% of the work that I do just as a dietitian is outreach and education and teaching about what are the benefits of the macronutrients and the micronutrients? You know, what is the benefit of food being this tool, not for control, but this tool for support for our dancing? Um, so we identify thoughts, we label thoughts, and then slowly but surely we start to rewire our thoughts, uh, stopping them full stop, right? And uh, starting to make room for different practices. You know, for a dancer, eating pasta might not feel so comfortable at first, right? There might be a lot of discomfort with that experience. Uh, and we work through a lot of different techniques to do this, mindful eating techniques. Sometimes, believe it or not, mindless eating techniques might actually be helpful in the very beginning of this work. Uh, and it's a lot of tools. We utilize tools, food flexibility, food neutrality, and all of this stuff I, I discussed in depth that allow us to, over time, rewire those thought patterns, expose ourselves to these unsupportive thoughts and fears to eventually... Um, build a bit of a suit of armor to them uh, where they're not so fearful and over time they become more and more enjoyable. Yeah, it's so interesting hearing you speak about that because there's actually a lot of, a lot of mindset um, education with this, like being aware of your, and like very much what I do as well. Like it's really quite parallel with that, being more aware of your emotions, being aware of, What's the root cause of this fear of this food or why, what's the root of why I say to myself, I shouldn't have this, you know, it's, it's very, very interesting. And I think it's, it's very much like therapy. Like you have to go to the root in order to heal. Yes, absolutely. And so much of that comes with education. But the tricky thing with nutrition, as you mentioned earlier, is that everybody has an opinion. See, the thing with food yeah. is that everybody in this world has to eat. We all have experiences with food. And because of that, many people will become somewhat, well, actually, I shouldn't say many, everybody really becomes an expert in what works for themselves. Now, this can be great, or this can turn into somebody preaching very uh, disordered eating habits, like that clean eating lifestyle. And that's where, in regards to food and nutrition, why we see so many opposing opinions about food is yeah. because everybody is an expert, right? Everybody feeds themselves or should be feeding themselves multiple times a day. 
So that's really where, you know, the conversation comes in on, okay, for dancers, where are you getting your food and nutrition advice, right? Are you getting it from a what I eat in a day video? Or are you turning to a licensed professional registered dietitian nutritionist to further learn about what diet culture is and how to, of course, unravel the uh, confusion. And then, of course, the the science-based facts of the various nutrients in our food. Yeah, 100%. And that's, um, I'm so happy all these dancers are hearing all this insight and information. But it's so funny you speaking about um, people preaching diets that they specifically suggest because it works for them so for example when we'll talk about injury in a minute but when I was dealing with a few injuries I got very into healing with food but also obsessed (laughs) because I am a perfectionist at heart and working on that have worked on that for a long time now but um I was obsessed with eating foods that wouldn't inflame me because I was Mm -hmm. like okay I've had some serious injuries now surely I'm I'm obviously prone to being quite like inflamed, like maybe it's something I'm eating. But I got very much into the veganism thing. And veganism, I know, I'm sure it works for a lot of people. Um, but it definitely didn't work for me. But I got so involved in it, um, that I even did this thing that was, um, I got so sold on this girl called Freely. Um, the banana girl and she had like 20 bananas a day and like a 20 no no sorry a 20 banana smoothie with dates just so much sugar and I would have that and I was like it's just fruit you know fruit's amazing I got very into the fruit thing and then you know I was hungry I after like 10 minutes um (laughs) and then just realized after a while like I was buying boxes of bananas from the some from the supermarket and my parents, bless them, they were like so supportive of it. They were like, do you, yeah. want, do you need another crate? But do you need another crate of bananas from Tesco? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And it was like December. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this makes sense. And I was like, I'm cold all the time. Um, but I realized very quickly that that wasn't working. And I also realized this is just not sustainable. This is so not me. Like I'm hungry. I'm tired. And yeah, I'm having all this energy from bananas and things like that. Um, but it's so dangerous when you're impressionable and also, um, young and you listen to someone's very, very strong. And this person I listened to was extremely opinionated and was Mm. like ramming it down your throat. And so it can get really difficult. Um, but I got over that and realized, you know, I need much more balance in my life. Um, but Let's that obviously leads a little bit into the uh, injury side of things um, because a lot of dancers message me and basically almost in a panic and say, you know, I'm injured. Um, what what am I going to do? And they worry so much about their weight and they worry, you know, how should I eat? Should I eat different? And I know without even speaking to a lot of dancers, I know that when someone gets injured, a lot of them will literally stop eating or reduce their diet to or reduce reduce their eating habits to being extremely limited which seems to go which seems to do the opposite thing you know because obviously you need food to fuel your injury and things like this so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and how you think a dance should go about injury and their food intake so First, to backtrack a little bit, I think it's so important in in a lot of the, because you bring up such great points, I don't want to miss any, in a lot of the work that I do with dancers in healing their relationships with food and all of the discussions that I have around diets, such as clean eating, even something like the Mediterranean diet, anti-inflammatory diets, a lot of the messages of these lifestyles it's not that i am uh it's not that i'm challenging the thoughts that certain foods can help with certain things right there are definitely nutrients and foods that we can include when navigating 
uh, higher levels of inflammation or when healing from an injury that provide us with specific nutrients that can help in the inflammatory process uh, and injury uh, healing process, right? I think that message gets a little bit lost when we're focused so much on, well, you know, we need to avoid these diets and eat whatever we want. And but that's not what I'm saying either, right? It's, it's about, we just don't want to, we don't want to fall into behaviors that are obsessive over anything, yeah. right? So I work with many dancers who are vegan. I work with many dancers who are not vegan. And I can tell you in my work as a dietitian for, it's been a decade that I see dancers with uh, maintain vegan diets in a very sustainable way. Doesn't work for everybody, didn't work for me either. Uh, but I think that's important to consider too, is that that's where the work with a professional becomes so important because it's about sifting through that misinformation and making sure, okay, you wanna learn about foods that can help with your injury healing and that can help with inflammation. Yeah, I'd like, I educate dancers on a lot of that stuff, uh, but it needs to be in the context of a gentler and less obsessive way. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is when it comes to injury, I get those same frantic messages from dancers as well. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind for these dancers is, oh no, I can't dance. I'm going to gain a ton of weight. Now putting the weight, uh, putting the weight change, I don't want to put it aside just a bit because it, it's definitely a challenging point and it's a very, um, I would never want to invalidate a dancer's fear. I think what we see here is more of the fear of the unknown for a lot of dancers, right? The fear of what is going to happen. I've now my, my whole life has been uprooted. I'm someone who's in the studio for all hours on end. Now I can't do that. I'm either sitting and watching or I'm at home. Um, and there is a very strong level of fear here with the unknown. In regard yeah. to food, this is the time when I encourage dancers to try something called intuitive eating. And I know that you have more questions for me on what intuitive eating is, and we can kind of tie it in and get into that as well. But, you know, yeah. many dancers, when we are so um, into our routine and our schedule and very active, intuitive eating is actually not the ultimate goal for an active dancer. And we can talk about why in just a bit. Uh, but when a dancer is injured, when they're dealing with an injury, they have more time on their hands to actually shift their focus internally and towards that body attunement that I was talking about earlier in regards to how our body is communicating its uh, nutritional needs. So for example, this is a time where dancers can finally start to experiment and evaluate their own hunger cues, their own fullness cues, and their own satisfaction cues. So I'll have a lot of these dancers who are freaking out about how much they should be eating because they're not dancing as much. And I say, well, why don't you take this time right now to, to let your body talk to you about that. And for some dancers, if they're coming from a place where they've been restricting their intake for quite some time while dancing, they're going to experience a spike in hunger cues during that period of being injured. And they're going to, th these are the dancers that we really have to uh, be on high alert for because that natural spike in hunger is again, a way that your body is communicating that it needs more fuel. And I can't stress this. I can't stress this enough, but nutrition, your recovery is just as much of a workout as your dancing. Your body needs that nutrition. It needs those tools. It needs those calories to literally support the healing process. Like I said, if you're coming from a restricted place, then your body doesn't have the stores that it currently needs to get you through that healing. That's why it's amping things up for you right now. And you need to honor that. So that's first and foremost. So if a dancer does not come from that background of restrictive eating, well, they might notice a natural decline or leveling out of their hunger cues. So it really depends on the dancer and it depends on how their baseline of food intake and fueling is prior to the injury, which is brings me to the, you know, the next big conversation, which is injury prevention and where nutrition plays a role in that. And for dancers who are even struggling in their relationships with food, 
in the work of healing your relationships with food, thinking of these practices of fueling your body as an insurance policy to help to provide you with what you could and might need if you were to knock on wood, struggle with an injury. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I always think um, back to, you know, my experience and it's a shame because a lot of my injuries, I think, were stemmed from overwork and lack of proper nutrition. Because obviously, as we know, nutrition plays a huge role in how your body functions, obviously, but also how our systems work. So I, re I really struggled with um, low bone density. I also had no hormones, like at all. So when I got my estrogen checked, it was literally like zero. I had like n nothing going on at all. And so naturally um, I got injured and I, you know, fractured my back because the bone density was incredibly low. But thinking back to what you just said about um, taking, when you do take time off, and let's say you're a dancer who has been eating well and has been eating a lot. So for me, even though I was obsessive at, at one stage of my life with food, I still, I was obsessive with um, eating like an athlete. So I very much ate very, I ate very well. I still think for my body, because of how tall I was, um, it still wasn't quite enough, even though I was actually constantly <laughs> eating for me, I think I, I needed um, just very dense, almost densely nutritious food. Um, but for me, when I took time off, because my metabolism did work so well, because I was feeding it all the time, I, throughout the injury, my signal cues were very much, you don't need as much, um, which was, you know, a good thing, I guess. Um, but I have had friends who have a very um big history with um disordered eating and we talk about it now and they would have the opposite problem so throughout their training they would be not eating at all I personally don't know how they even survived they must have been running on adrenaline I know how they survived <laughs> I and this Tell just me. brings up this brings up such a good point and I don't want it to go undiscussed um because dancers yeah. contact me every day and they're like I get what you're saying, Rachel, that we need to eat our body, eat fuel our body sufficiently. But I just watched this, what I eat in a day, very prominent dancer, and she is not eating anything. How is she getting on stage? And this is such a good question, first of all. Number one, adrenaline, unfortunately, plays a huge role in a dancer's ability to kind of just like push through in the studio. But what we don't but what you don't see is the reality of that dancer struggling with that major injury two, three weeks later. You know, this is what we see with summer intensives. We see dancers push through these five, six week intensives of seven, eight hour dance days. And then my busiest season is August when they all come That's home crazy. and they're all <laughs> and they're all injured from stress fractures because of that bone wow. density. Yes. So it's so incredible that. Yes. Can our bodies push through 100%? Our bodies, uh, our bodies are like, um, the best way to describe this is like a hybrid car. Like your body can, uh, run with a low amount of fuel. It's not going to run optimally. And if you continue to run on a low amount of fuel, you are going to destroy your inner engine, uh, essentially. So, so it's really important that even if a dancer feels like, you know, they see another dancer eat nothing and still push through in the studio, it's not a reason for them to say, okay, well, I'm not going to eat this much because, you know, that dancer is doing that. What you don't see is the eventual injury, the decline in bone density, the decline in mental health, just from the isolating uh, or the isolation that occurs with restricted eating behaviors. Oh, a hundred percent. So if I use my friend as an example, I hope she doesn't mind. But <laughs> she listens. But um, <laughs> basically, um, my friend Keenan Camper, um, was uh, at the Vaganova with me, and she she at the time like she was super healthy. She would buy scones, scones from Whole Foods, 
and like in America and the, her oh. parents would bring them and she would like freeze them in the freezer and so she used to snack on scones and things like this along with eating everything else and she'd have protein shakes like she ate, she looked after herself very well um and she inspired me a lot with that and however soon after school she she went to Marinsky and she Marinsky is a very intense intense environment like if they like you as a dancer it's like go 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 and they liked her and so they were throwing countless roles at her like amazing stuff and she had the chance to do Heatry and things like this but she told me about this experience and she said Izzy like I have I I can't function like I mm. I've been working dawn till dusk there is no break in between my rehearsals I have to go from one rehearsal to the other one she's making me do Mirta over and over again with the jumps I feel like my bones are like breaking mm. and the boys like the boys she would be friends with a lot of the male dancers and the boys would be like do you want us to do you want us to bring you something like because she was losing so much so much weight and strength you know and they'd be like, here, have some chocolate, like take it. And in the end, it led to her being severely injured. She had um, a hip label tear and had to have surgery on that and subsequently burnt out completely from this industry and left it. Because, yeah. you know, even though, you know, similar story, like even though it was an amazing opportunity, it was just so too intense very unsustainable and her body was literally starving yeah and so yeah yeah it, it's it's a perfect testament unfortunately to the reality of it you know what I always say at the end of the day to dancers is listen if you're not fueling sufficiently your body will break down you'll risk major injury you'll risk being driven away from this work and passion that you have worked so hard for, right? So yeah, why don't we do our best to use food? I said this before, not in a way to control the outcomes of our dance career, but rather to support the outcomes of our dance career. And one other thing that you mentioned that I think is really important is that a lot of dancers who partake in more of the athletic type of dieting or clean eating like myself, because that's what I experienced as well, similar to you, even though we were perhaps eating really well, you know, we really well are eating quote unquote sufficiently for the amount that we were dancing. Many dancers don't realize that it's still, it's probably not enough. And that's where the conversation comes in of why this uh, paradigm of intuitive eating isn't necessarily the all in uh, way for dancers because dancers have so many obstacles that make it challenging for them to eat intuitively. And that's where the work that I, that I do and all the work that I've designed, this, the framework that I've designed for dancers really takes into account the fact that parts of intuitive eating are super beneficial, but also parts of proactive fueling and of sports nutrition are also incredibly essential for dancers because their needs are higher than those of the average person. Yeah. So, for example, let's use Keenan as, as an example. I hope you don't mind, Keenan. Um, but like, she was obviously dancing all day, L literally no time to eat, and at a very high level. Like, even though she wasn't labeled principal, she was basically of principal status of what she was doing. How does one? Obviously, with intuitive eating at this point, it, you know, it's out of it's a little bit out of the, your control. So how does one still look after themselves, keep healthy throughout an intense ballet timetable? Because I'm sure yes. there's probably quite a lot of people who have that. Most dancers. Yes, absolutely. And even our, you know, of course, on that extreme training, but also with our youngest dancers who are yeah. training all hours of the day. This is exactly why I created the framework, The Healthy Dancer, because as I mentioned earlier, dancers cannot utilize intuitive eating as an ultimate goal. By the way, intuitive eating is an anti-diet um, way of fueling our body that really prioritizes 
learning how to uh, promote body attunement. So listening to your body's hunger cues and honoring those hunger cues, honoring fullness cues and honoring satisfaction cues. But there's a lot of nuance and, and complexity within intuitive eating, especially for dancers, because as I mentioned earlier, dancers cannot, whether they have experienced disordered eating or not, they might have the best relationship with food in the world. They are still likely to experience a diminished amount or level of hunger cues. So they're just very unreliable. So this is why proactive fueling is so incredibly important for dancers. It's like you mentioned that dancer who will be working for you and working with you and it's approaching that three hour mark and that dancer is like, well, I'm not hungry. And you're like, no, but you know what? Sit down, go have that snack because the dancer might not be hungry. It's so easy for us to push through and not and for those hunger cues to go unnoticed, that we have yeah. to have a very proactive effort to say, okay, I need to take five minutes to have a calorically dense and nourishing snack so that I don't end up stripping away from my nutritional stores that essentially will strip away from, for example, my bone strength. So it's mm. incredible. So proactive fueling is the uh, tool that I utilize with all of the dancers. And it involves a certain degree of planning ahead, but of course, in the context of not obsessing over how we're planning and also being open to foods that are very often fear mongered and deemed as not being quote unquote healthy. So this is like where the, pro- the conversation comes in about processed foods. I'll have a lot of dancers who have fears around processed foods because of messages that they've learned when they're choosing to avoid eating in total because their only option within a two minute break is to have like a quick like more packaged snack option. You know what I mean? So, so it's important for dancers to understand that at the end of the day, even in the intuitive eating paradigm, the most important thing that we're prioritizing is our body's need for nourishment. It's our body's need for calories. Once we have the accessibility to sustain that and to achieve that level of nourishment, then we can begin to start talking about, okay, well now how do we bring more nutrition into the conversation? You know, let's talk more about complex carbohydrates and proteins and unsaturated fats to support or to alleviate inflammation. So it's very strategic in how we, or how I educate dancers on fueling their bodies. You know, first that baseline need for nourishment needs to be met, meeting a dancer where they're, where they're at. If that means that they have no breaks in their day, we need to find, well, first of all, we need to probably have a conversation with the higher ups (laughs) so that we can get like a 10 minute, a couple 10 minute snack breaks here. Right. Because let's be serious. Come on. Once we can do that, then we need to start having conversations about, okay, well, what are some calorically and nutrient dense options that won't cause you to feel stomach discomfort while you're dancing, but will provide you with that energy, that quick energy, but also some of that sustained energy. And that's really where the conversations go. Yeah. This is incredible, honestly, all this insight. But I was just thinking about my relationship, like everything you say, just I I go into myself and thinking about my experiences. And since my relationship with food is, is, is great now, and you know, my partner, he's not a dancer. And so when we first started going out, it was very much like he would be eating things that I would never dream of eating. (laughs) And then I was like, I was like, do you know what? I'm just gonna live my life. Yeah. And that that sort of also just helped me realize that there's balance in life and we need to you know live a little bit and enjoy things and enjoy experiences but one thing that's been fantastic for me is I've been I've been traveling a lot for for my teaching and my work and so when you travel a lot and obviously this goes into the the life of a dancer as well you're touring and sometimes you don't have total control control over you know your meals anymore obviously like this is different culture different food different um, smells, different spices, all this stuff. And I had the most amazing time trying all these amazing foods. I have no idea what was in them, but I was like, this is, this is amazing. I'm going to utilize this chance. And I came back looking the healthiest I've ever looked mm. and feeling the healthiest I've ever looked because I was very, I know you said intuitive eating is not the total, um, 
thing in the end but I was very intuitive at the time because I had time to be intuitive that's it that's it that's exactly it when you have the time and accessibility to fully go honoring hunger cues and all of that intuitive eating is is incredible and it's ideal and it's also I can very much relate when I travel and um you know have that ability to to do that but I do, you know, it's, it's important. There's so, there's so many complexities and layers to this, right? Because I want dancers to also take, walk away with what you're saying in regards to all of the experience allowing food to have this cultural impact in your life. Imagine a dancer who's at the peak of their career, right? In regards to perf- their performance career, what they could access from those experiences and bring them into the studio and right. onto and onto the stage, right? So I think it's so important for dancers wherever they're at in their careers, if they're retired, if they're burnt out and they're listening to this, if they're at the peak of their career right now, if they're young and they're just training, so important to understand the role that food can play in your life, right? That it's not just for the sake of your performance, that it's also for the sake of bringing in so much more value into who you are, you know, those trying all of those, um, different experiences when you're traveling on also making space for the fact that when you are traveling, when you're on tour, you very much are likely not going to have control over what you're eating in regards to the ingredients in it. And that might be very uncomfortable for some dancers, especially dancers who are working through their relationship with food. And it's important to understand that discomfort, right? And, and to, to make space for that discomfort and learn how can we navigate through it in a way that's going to be most supportive for us. Yeah, I do think though, when you're when you're sort of removed from your routine like that, and it's a and let's say you've been obsessed with your eating routine, like I do this at this time, da da da, da and I will only eat this, you know, this kind of thing. When you're removed from that, and for example, you know, I was traveling, and you become much more intuitive because there isn't that sort of set schedule anymore, and so you you learn so much. You think oh, I'm hungry now. I'll, I'll go out and explore the town, you know, and, yeah. and find some lunch. Like it's, it's much more, and you come back home almost a newfound version of yourself. So it all really circles together and ties in together the whole life experience, experiencing new things, and then um, making the food part of that. And it, it all just helps you mentally. And then as a dancer, so it really is like a full circle process <laughs> with everything. Um, but yeah, Rachel, um, this has been absolutely incredible. Um, I could honestly, I feel like we've only just scratched the surface if I'm (laughs) honest. Like I really think, I really think I could talk to you for several hours, but as a sort of, and thank you so much everyone for listening as a closing statement, Rachel, what would you say with all the work you do for definitely tell us where we can find you. And I've, we've heard so much about your program and everything, but Um, if there's anything else you want to share about that but along with that do tell us what's your if you could say it in a succinct way (laughs) what's your mission for dancers and their nutrition yeah so first of all thank you so much for having me today it's been such a pleasure connecting with you I have told you this before but part of my mission for dancers with their nutrition, it's to help them cultivate their own environment that is supportive of their dancing, right? Everything that I uh, really struggled with in my training years ago, even though I had incredible support with my family and with many of the teachers that I did have, there was um, the intense amount of self-ridicule that I struggled with, that I wish I had uh, more education and the right education to, you know, better understand my nutritional needs, to better understand what sustainable training actually meant and not, you know, training to the point of burnout as an example. So cannot thank you enough for having me on your show and for all of the work that you are doing with dancers. It is so incredibly important. And I wish I had you as a resource when I was dancing full time as well. Uh, but I'm happy to have you as a resource now. <laughs> thank you. So yeah, of course. So in regards to, you know, what is my overlying mission for dancers with nutrition? It's there's, a, there's so much to it. I really want to help to 
shift the industry's stigma around dancers and eating and like dancers and their relationships with food. I think there's such an unfortunate stigma in regards to dancers thinking that they need to have so much control and that they need to micromanage their food because they're quote unquote dancers. Um, And often where that just leads us to is having these unnecessarily strained relationships with food where food is this thing that we need all day, many multiple times a day, it should be utilized as a tool that's helping us. And that's making us feel good, uh, both, you know, physically, mentally, and even emotionally. So that I would say fits into just this entire mission that I have is to help dancers in healing their relationships with food in preventing the onset of disordered eating, and also helping with their confidence at mealtimes and even with their bodies as well. It really all comes into play with the work that I do. Uh, in regards to finding me, dancers can find me on Instagram. I'm at to the point nutrition. My I would say start with my website, dancenutrition.com as just a resource for learning. I'm excited for us to start to connect on your website to share some more helpful education for dancers as well, because, you know, just the more the dancers hear these messages, the more the industry in of itself will start to shift and dancers will become more able to use food as I keep saying this, but use food as a tool to like celebrate rather than as a tool to feel so feared with and anxious about. Yeah. And I, and I hope that the schools and the workplaces follow suit as you say and I think it starts with people like you and me just driving this message um absolutely but guys if you're if you're out there and you need help with nutrition then please get in touch with Rachel I think there's no one else better as you can hear from everything she said today she's incredible and so knowledgeable and has been there herself and learned so much from her own journey and is here to help you so I couldn't recommend anyone enough So thank you so much, Rachel, for joining me today. And we'll definitely get you back on because there's just so much more to talk about, 100%. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I look forward to it. I really enjoyed chatting with you, Isabella.